right, let's talk food. Welcome to Travel Mouth. This is your host, Jeff Ehrman. I'm joined by our food friend today, Allison. Allison, how you doing? I'm great. How are you? Excellent. Now, Alice and I uh, kind of uh, worked in the same industry in the same city, and we're pretty certain at some point we probably were at some similar events. Um, but There's that's no just how it, it went. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I know the odds are, and, and so uh, we kind of agree that that's probably the case. Um, we're just going to get right into some of your questions here, Allison, if you don't mind. Right. All right. So first one, and I, I love starting here. I love starting with these uh, these hot takes, these hot flavor takes. Uh, this one is cheese and chocolate. And really, I just want details on what's the cheese, what's the chocolate, how are they combined? Is this a <laughs> dipping thing? Is this a both in the mouth at the same time thing? Yeah, I well, I just love cheese and I love chocolate so much, specifically like dark cheese and something like a Gruyere. And okay. I I am not always the best at making dinner or, you know, feeding myself wholesome meals. And so sometimes my dinner is literally I cut up some cheese and I have chocolate or grapes or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, just it all kind of combines really well together. And uh, I just love cheese and chocolate so much. And you can you can dip cheese in chocolate if you really want to, like go to a fondue spot. Yeah. But yeah, I'm a I, I will I will make little versions of chocolate cheese s'mores, I guess, if you want to call it. That. <laughs> that sounds nice. All right. I'm interested in that. So it sounds yeah. like kind of a, a mini charcuterie board, but it's it's leaning a little bit sweet sometimes, which is, is kind of fun. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I like that. Wow. All right. Well, I'm gonna have to try that for sure. I just I'm trying to imagine what cheeses I would do like and and how to compliment like I, I noticed you also you, you mentioned dark chocolate uh, as well. And so is that mm -hmm. is it usually going to be that darker chocolate stuff that you have in the house? Yeah, I am. I mean, I'm weird. It's got like 72%. Like I have a percentage that nice. I go for. I, no, like, that is not weird. Too much. That is, <laughs> I, I am totally there with that. Yeah. I'm usually in the higher 70s. But like, yeah, I, I feel you on knowing your number. That's pretty yeah. awesome. So it's it's very much that. And I, I like a good, um, a little bit of harder cheese. And I, like, I, I don't know if I would pair with like a blue cheese or something like that. But wow. Um, my mind but is like, imagining what that would even be like. <laughs> <laughs> I, ha I haven't tried that combo, but we do have yeah. blue cheese crumbles in the fridge. So we'll see. <laughs> that's Yeah, that's pretty wild. Wow. Yeah, I don't know how to make that work. That sounds kind of mm. weird. No, I don't know. I won't do that one. So your your background is in engineering, your background, your Correct. education, and a mm -hmm. lot of your uh, industry connection through beverage, uh, beer when you were um, in Denver. And now you're you're working in the, I guess, coffee industry out there. Yes. Out, yeah. out here, I should say. It is definitely not the standard engineering path. Um, yeah. I, you know, I, I went to college. I graduated shortly after the recession and everyone, you know, for those of us lucky enough to get a job at the time, people yes. were going to Boeing and Raytheon and, you know, all these Lockheed Martin, all these places that you're supposed to want to go when you're a, a mechanical engineer. And I got stuck in HVAC. Uh, cause that was the only company that would mm. hire me and yeah. I, I did not have a strong passion for it. And so it didn't take me long to kind of say, you know, what, what am I interested in? And I went to school in Fort Collins where, you know, New Belgium and Odell and all that stuff is. And so I was so used to being around craft beer and I was like, oh man, mm -hmm. that's all I ever want to do is go work in the craft beer industry, but they, they don't hire engineers. And then I had this like epiphany moment of, Oh no, beer is nothing more than manufacturing process. Of course, they have engineers, and so absolutely, <laughs> yeah. I don't know why I thought that was not a thing. Um, and so, yeah, I, I was very fortunate. I worked for Left Hand for um, four and a half years as their engineering project manager. Yeah, and so like I put in the can line, did so many uh, expansion projects and equipment projects, put in the pilot system. Uh, it was it was such a a cool, unique experience and something that um, I just, I learned a lot. I learned a lot about, I like hands-on things like that, like the yeah. technology behind it. And um, so, you know, like other people in the beer industry towards the end of the 20 teens, uh, there was some, we were, no one, people were not growing 30% anymore. And so, no. uh, yeah, so I kind of, I moved on, although I, I did take a guy with me who I have married last year. I did meet my husband at the brewery, so you know, oh, not great. all was lost. <laughs> was was he um, also working there at the time, or you just met him at the was. brewery? Okay, oh, yeah, he was. He was he was the packaging manager. <laughs> so, 
So perfect. So you guys you were go. working together. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yes, we we went to the craft brewers conference together very early on into our relationship because we were both working on the canning line project. So no, it, it was a good time. Um, awesome. But all that to say, so I I moved on. Um, and during that time, I went back to school for. Uh, I got my master's and then got kind of interested in the industrial side of things as well. Mm -hmm. And the industrial engineering. Yeah. Yeah. How do you, how do you gain efficiencies and all that stuff? And so spent some time at Lululemon um, and then found myself now at Starbucks. I work on the R and D team and work directly with the equipment manufacturers, equipment engineers to really bring uh, new products or new equipment products uh, to the, to the stores and, we, I'm in the concept side, so it's very much, you know, one to three store testing and all that stuff. But it's mm-hmm. it's so neat being able to see uh, all this different equipment and see all these different things that go into something as simple as a cup of coffee. Yeah. And to break it down into its individual processes and go, wow, this is really there's a lot of ways to go wrong on this, especially the more you yeah. automate. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really interesting. Like I I don't know how to use the really, really fancy uh, coffee machines, like the espresso machines, um, that you'd get at like, you know, a really like local coffee place, no idea how to use it. But at the same time, when you do bring that, a lot of that automation into those equipment pieces, um, there is more that can go wrong and you really need to make sure that things are in spec and that, uh, you're not taking away the craft from the, the, you know, the actual barista and there's just a lot of things that go into it. And yeah, it's neat. I don't love the term idiot proof, but I think sometimes that's, that's that is the eventual goal is is that, you know, even if mistakes are made, uh, adjustments can be made in process that kind of fix. Um, yeah. Yeah. The goal and is that that's you, tough. Can, you can do the the fun part, steaming the milk and, you know, doing latte art and stuff like that. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, but I mean, there is an efficiency side of, to it as well. And if nothing else, just just like in beer, consistency is really important. So, yeah. um, you know, that's one of the big things that we we do is we do a lot of testing to make sure that there's all sorts of consistency. And and that feeds into that greater conversation of AI and kind of where humans will land, you know, at once AI is fully integrated into our society, where what mm. do we do? What is our role at that point when when systems or uh, efficiencies yeah. are completely, you know, dialed I mean, in? If you go to downtown Seattle near the Pike Market, there is yeah. there's a little robot arm called Artly. There's a couple of them around the country. Yeah. They'll yeah. Make, uh, the little robot arm will make you a cup of coffee. I did one in Vegas. It does all yeah. the steps, but yeah. So it's, it's really interesting where I'm like, oh yeah, that's, that's an interesting interpretation of uh, using AI or using robots to, you know, automate the, the coffee process. Well, and sure. I think it's <laughs> it's like you said, you find those uh, artistic moments like the latte art or something, yeah. some, you know, the interaction of, with the human or some space <laughs> for there to still be an importance for a human to be involved. I, I like, a, I mean, I will always want a, a, a true barista there because if nothing else, yeah. same with like a bartender, you can pour your own beer. That's fine. But I want to know what does the bartender like? What does the barista like? What, what should I be trying? Oh, What's I'm the same way. The coffee that they, they like or um, something new and everything. So like, I, I, I hope that automation does not necessarily replace the bartender or the the barista, (laughs) but only enhances their job. There, there are point of sale systems now that are going to read your face and know that your favorite (laughs) drink is Negroni, but you like it a certain way. Yeah. That's what they're getting to. Yeah. (laughs) And it's, it's a little scary, but it's a little like, yeah, I mean, okay. It knows how I like my steak cooked and I don't know. That's kind of neat. It, it's it's going to be give and take. I'm sure it'll be a strange it's, process of integrating. I, I yes, it'll be interesting to see where all of this, just in in food in general, food and drinks and all all that stuff. Where where are we in 10, 15, 20 years? Yeah. What what is Chat GPT going to do to the barista? That's really the question. Yeah. <laughs> well, even dangerous jobs like working a fryer. Um, I've seen the the fryer robots that they have now, and yes. how they talk about that reducing industry or er, in, injuries mm-hmm. and uh, creating huge efficiency, and then being able to cook like multiple baskets at the same time perfectly without missing it by a second and all yeah. that kind of stuff. It's like, oh man, I don't know. <laughs> that sounds good too. I went to a a conference actually that um, they had the 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 fry robot and the pizza robot arm and all that yeah, stuff. So yeah, I, yeah. I've eaten robot 
fries and robot people. Oh, nice. Awesome. <laughs> robot fries. It's, Love it. It's it's fine. I mean, it, it, the food was good. There were good French fries. Um, but there were still humans there and they were doing the, you know, the the parts of that that require craft and maybe fries are not the part that require craft. I guess it would be interesting to serve a bunch of food judges, something compar- pre- prepared by a robot and something fully prepared by a human and then the same that dish yeah. and then see if they can sense the soul or whatever you call yeah. it. You need to patent <laughs> that though immediately because otherwise that's going to become a 10 part Netflix series next year. So, right, exactly. you know, get on that, <laughs> get that on it. idea now bef- so you get the royalties. I'll get my elevator pitch together right away. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> I do like to daydream about that kind of stuff sometimes about where uh, I, and I would say engineers are more in the kitchen than ever. It seems like to me as um, you know, books like modernist cuisine and stuff are kind of, I don't know, maybe making cooking a little more scientific or coming at it from a different angle. And I think scientists yeah. get excited about that. Well, and there's uh Oh, I'm probably gonna screw this up now. Um, there is like a food lab here in Seattle that mm-hmm. I cannot, I feel like it's one of the Microsoft people or something. That's, uh, I think that's the guy I'm talking about, actually. Okay. His book is, is a modernist it, cuisine. Yeah. yeah. And I don't, I don't of. know the name of the lab, but yeah, that's him. And I, yeah, like it is true. And, and even thinking about like, you know, an high end dining and you can see like all these weird little creations with like the foam and I'll, I don't know. I, I don't high end dine. It's out of my my tax bracket but yeah, me too <laughs> <laughs> but you see all this stuff on like you know the the netflix shows and all that stuff and um, yeah and yeah there obviously someone has to come up with the the piece of technology that's going to create that so you know mm-hmm. i i think technology can make the food can always kind of seem mundane because it's just oh i need to eat this for sustenance but yeah you know, when you talk about what can technology do? It can make sure that it, it's making it safer for the people who are cooking. Yes. It can make it more consistent. You, yep. all, all these sorts of things and probably bring in more fun elements and probably hopefully at a price point or like bring some of that price points down. Yeah. Uh, reducing so waste too is huge. Go. And that's, oh, something, yeah, that's a big one. Yeah. And that's something that can even change pricing, you know, change costs so much labor cost and that could change yeah. pricing so much in food production. That that would be if, if AI could do anything, it would be like mm-hmm. scan my face, know exactly how much I want to eat at that time. Give me the correct portion <laughs> nice. and price it out exactly to, to what yes. I'm going to eat. Cause we are the worst. We, you know, you've got a breakfast burrito for $17, then you feel guilty because you only ate half of it because it was the size of a small baby. Yep. And you bring it home and then it sits in the fridge and then it gets thrown away. It's funny. And- I, I typed out a comment pretty similar to what you just said earlier today. Someone, uh, I posted a picture of what I was eating and they they said, oh, what is that? A meal for ants. And <laughs> I... I, I I do eat small portions. Uh, I saw my opportunity. And so I explained mm-hmm. myself. I like to cook really kind of, I don't know, over the top decadent food. Sometimes this was a buttercream mm. sauce and nice. it had lobster broth in it. And it was, yeah, fancy stuff and, mm-hmm. and pretty rich. And so for that reason, I didn't eat much. I had a small bowl of it. And, and uh, I saw my opportunity to kind of explain my POV on that when they said, what is that a meal for ants? And I kind of at the same angle you just came at said, I'm, I don't subscribe to American restaurant yeah. portioning. I really don't. It's I, the thing that also bugs me is I, I often order off the kids menu when I'm allowed to, because the portions yeah. are smaller. Like you can, yeah. I don't even mind. You can charge me more for it. And, and there are plenty of restaurants that do, but all the people that are like, you're old, you can't, you can't eat off the kids menu. And it's like, just give me the smaller hamburger. I don't know what the problem is here. Yeah. 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 Charge me full price, whatever. I don't yeah. care. I, I don't want to throw I, half a hamburger away, but I will. Exactly. So I'm, yes, I'm with you on that. The, I, the, the portion sizes are a little bit extreme. And I, I was talking to somebody in an earlier podcast, I've lost a little weight lately. And it really is. It's a change in my attitude towards that kind of stuff. It's not eating that second half of that burrito, like you said, Mm -hmm. out of guilt or out of feeling that I I have to or need to, or that's the prescribed portion for me, because I get to prescribe my own portions, you know, and I want to empower more people to kind of have that same attitude. So I I appreciate that we're aligned on that. That's kind of great. Yeah. Yeah. 
So something that you pointed out, and I, I like this answer when I talked to about how uh, what was important about food to you and why. Uh, the first thing you said is that it tastes good, and that's yeah. if that is the edict, you know, as far as even <laughs> within the conversation of what we've been talking about, I feel like that's as long as that maintains as a goal. Um, that's going to be a, a guide in a lot of ways for it to be the freshest possible, for it to be prepared properly, cooked properly, yeah. you know, all those kind of things. So, um, yeah, let's let's talk about Bizarro's in uh, Seattle oh, because I love that place. I, okay, I know about it, and I've actually watched uh, what was it on Diners, Drive-ins, and Dives? I think was where oh, I first sure. saw it. Yeah, and it just seems so that. wacky because of the decor, and, yeah. and the owners seem like very. Uh, uh, very interesting people. I would love yeah. to meet them. Um, but tell me about it. Tell me about eating there. Yeah. So, uh, we, Jason, my husband and I had just yeah. moved to, uh, Washington and we, I have one cousin. Well, I technically have two cousins that live out here, but one of my cousins lives very close to, uh, where we moved to initially in 2019. And she was like, Oh, you should come to this restaurant. Like it's, it's good. It's Italian food. And we were living in, we had lived in Boulder and We'd go to Jay's Pasta, which people, I don't know, people have feelings on that. You either love it or you hate it in Boulder, but it was our date night spot. So I was like, all right, maybe this will be like our version out here. It's a nice, you know, whatever. And so they don't take reservations and they open at five and they're like, that's kind of it. And it's like, okay. So we got there. Uh, The line was super long. And you just, it was, luckily it was nice out. So we just kind of hung outside in their little area with a glass of wine, kind of hung out and that was fine. Uh, And then you you sit down and they, they bring you the bread. The bread is very good. They bring you, uh, you know, your little salad and everything. And that's good. And and again, it's, it's a small establishment. It takes a little while to get your food. And then you're kind of like looking around at what you talk the decor itself yeah. is just there's there is stuff everywhere it doesn't really seem like there's any sort of real theme to it it's just stuff everywhere and i mean we'll still go and we're like was that there last time i don't know and sometimes they'll decorate a little bit for like holidays and stuff but you kind of have to look for it wow. and it it's just it has this like really 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 cozy atmosphere and again it's it's fairly small so it's not like you're um you know, with a thousand of your other friends. Um, and then, and then the food is just, it it's just so good. And they have, they have the regular menu. So like mm-hmm. the lasagna, people love the lasagna. They've got a spaghetti, they got your standards. And then they always have um, some sort of rotating seasonal. They have like three seasonal dishes at any given time. And then a nice. daily dish. And I almost always get the daily dish. And if I'm not keen on that i'll get the season one of the seasonals but mm-hmm. i i it's the only restaurant i think i've ever been to where every single time i get something new and i've never in my life been disappointed to the point where i'm like i will stop eating because i want to bring my leftovers home because i'm like i'm only gonna eat three quarters of this yeah but i, I want to eat the full so i'll stop at half because then i can actually eat the other half it's just okay i it's fully just, do that it's, it's so good <laughs> I, and it's a, it's a good, we'll, we'll take family there. Um, it, it just has such a great fun atmosphere and it, it's just, it, it's just a great place. I, I will never not love that place. Even during COVID we, we, t- we did take out from time to time as well as we're like, please don't close, please don't close down. <laughs> and and I've heard good things, but, but besides seeing it on TV, I have heard good things, but that is quite an endorsement that you just gave. I love that oh, you go I, there and yeah. do just like you were talking about earlier about kind of trusting the barista or trusting, you know, the chef or sushi chef mm-hmm. or whatever it is. You know, it's like you're going there going like, I don't know if it sounds good and it's their dish of the night. I'm yeah. into it. It's it's honestly bad yeah, a thousand. They, I, it's true. And I mean, their, their standard regular rotating dishes are also good. Um. I, like I said, I've never had anything bad there, but uh, spot on every time. I'm like, well, I don't know. We'll see how this goes. And it's just, it's just wonderful every single is, time. So is the service atmosphere uh, kind of a fun party, like light? Like, is it, what's it like? Cause it, I just don't know what the vibe is uh, there. Yeah. What was, what's your um, comment on that? So all of the, everyone that works there seems incredibly yeah. kind um, and they're very attentive. I think wow. again, cause it is fairly small. So yeah. they can, t- 
like they, they know all their tables. They're fairly attentive, but also kind of in a way that like I, I studied abroad in Paris and I really appreciated that they wouldn't just come around every 30 seconds to like check on you or refill waters. It was very much let they me kind leave of leave you alone until you, you put alone. your arm up. Yep. Yeah. And so you don't have to necessarily wave them over, but they are yeah. a little bit more attentive in the fact that, um, they, they kind of pay attention to what's actually going on at your table and try not to necessarily interrupt, Very which cool. I appreciate. Yeah. At least the few, the few times, or not the few times, the times that I've been there, it feels like the service is good. Um, but yeah, they good wine recommendations if you ask them for that. And Excellent. Uh, so yeah, 10 out of 10, every single time. I've never All been right. disappointed with All anything right, in... Yeah, that's a ringing endorsement. I am definitely yeah. going to go, and I would say I'll make a reservation, but apparently that's not a thing. They don't so. take reservations, but, but get there early. If you, you know, get there early, I, you I, I don't early. mind that in a weird way. I feel like that could be part of the experience. You know, part of the memory mm-hmm. of going is the hanging out out front, having that first glass of wine, meeting some people oh, yeah. from Minnesota that are out visiting. You know, or whatever. Like, I love it. Every, yep, every time we've kind of done that. Well, maybe not in the rain, but at least in the summertime. Um, there's there's always people to talk to. Everyone always seems to be in a good mood because everybody's excited to be at the Zara's. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's good. It's a good spot. I highly, I highly recommend. It's my favorite I, spot. I like so. things like that too that are sort of a, somewhat of a filter. You know, it's like if you're there and you're waiting in line for this restaurant and it's a weird, funky restaurant and they're mm-hmm. going to be serving something that you don't even know, like that's, that's going to bring yeah. a certain kind of person and those are my people. So I'm yeah. always, I'm always into that. It's good. I like it. So let's talk pickles. Oh, I hate them. <laughs> oh, I hate everything pickled. <laughs> I I wish I did. We're, that's your whole life, right? That's since you were a kid. Like you've just never been into it, right? Yeah, I've never. Okay, liked there wasn't it. like a bad pickle experience no. or anything. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think it's there's. It has to be like a vinegar thing because yeah, I don't like olives. I most hot sauces I don't care for because they're more vinegar based than like yeah. Meat. And that, that's how I so, evaluate hot sauce is I kind of look at them in that tree of like, does it lean more pepper or does it lean more vinegar? And I do like I like both, but that's how I categorize it. my hot sauces. Like a southern style hot sauce is going to be mostly vinegar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. my husband, who grew up in the south and loves yeah. pickled things. Yeah. Yeah. That is, uh, so like he'll open the fridge and start eating pickles. I'm like, I'm like, I can smell it across the house. <laughs> like even the, even the smell is a little much. I just I. I hate pickles. I hate, I, I really, and I wish I liked them because they're not like bad for you or anything. No, um, locale. Yeah. So, and yeah, I, I, and I, I will say though, there, I have had one pickle that I, I don't think it was in vinegar. It must've been brined yeah. in just like something water and salt or sugar. I don't really know how you brine things. Um, but I, that one didn't have vinegar and those were tasty, but they weren't like pickled. They were, I don't know. That's a naturally fermented pickle. And so it creates its own, yeah, it creates its own acid. And that's the original pickle way. And it's actually the long way of making pickles. Yeah. You like original, you're down with the original pickles. I I like a bougie pickle. Yeah, you do. (laughs) That's for real. You know, this is ironic. And I know this might be a little controversial, but I feel the same way about sour beers. We're like, I don't like kettle sour beer. Nice. I think it tastes more vinegary than you're a regular. So, sour you're beer. so right, though. Um, what it yeah. is it, is it's a softer acid. So the spectrum of acids that are created when you do a natural fermentation is going to be multiple different acids, and it's going to be you know in a nice round spectrum. Whereas when you add vinegar or you do a quick kettle sour, it's generally going to be one single spike of you know acid, vinegar, oh, acetic acid, or yeah. Um, sometimes even citric acid with some of the kettle sours, they'll end up adding some kind of citrus fruit or something to make them even more sour. But yeah, so you're not wrong at all on that. And you I, like and the I softer, rounder beer. acids. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. But it is definitely, it's it's got to be barreled. <laughs> yeah. So yes, I, I guess I'm bougie about my that's my acid. that is totally fine i th- i think i yeah i like that I, I feel like that's the way to be though is to like know why you don't like certain things and then figure out kind of what in that mm-hmm. category you can still be into and 
I like yeah. that you know you like the OG pickles and you like the good sour beers. Yeah, That's fine. Exactly. That's totally yeah. cool. I was going to mention um, growing up that, and I I love all things vinegar now at this point in my life. But growing up, uh, my mom used to clean with vinegar, and she would do mm. it intentionally when I wasn't in the house because I had such an aversion to it. When you mentioned oh, your husband eating a pickle and you smelling it. Um, that was me. I'd come out of my room and I'd be like, mom, what are you doing? Oh my God, it smells horrible in here because she'd be cleaning with vinegar. And so that became a thing, you know, no, this this wasn't that it was just, I, to be fair, I was a super picky eater as a kid too. So I'm there, there might've just been that. And that was just one of the things I didn't grow out of. Maybe, I don't know. So can we, can we stick on the topic and ask you about mayo ranch and sour cream too? the white sauces as it were? I, I don't know what it is. And it's so funny because if you break it down to the components, like, yeah, yeah. Well, I guess mustard, I don't to- like mustard seed. I don't care for, but um, like otherwise mayo, like I like, I like eggs. Like yeah. I, I, it, it doesn't, vinegar I like in it, though. Little, like there's vinegar in there. It. Okay. Yeah. Well, there we go. Now yeah. there, there, I guess that's, that's what we got it. And some I, more than others. Yeah. I, and thing. I don't like ranch dressing, which as a child growing up in Minnesota was problematic. Yeah, um, as bet. with the mayo too. Like you had to I be undercover to, with that one, maybe even like not bring that up at the wrong time. It was. I would be at like a friend's <laughs> get ostracized. House and, it, truly, yeah. and their parents would be like, "All right, we're making lunch," and then I'd have to like try to figure out how to not, you know, because they, they slathered it in mayo. Had to have that uh-huh. sandwich with mayo on it, and I'm like, "How do I eat this without gagging?" <laughs> like, <laughs> I. I hate it. And just in in general, condiments are not like my husband makes fun of me too, because um yeah. like ketchup. I don't hate ketchup, but like I do very, very small dabs of condiments when I do have condiments. So like I don't know what it is about me and and condiments, but specifically the the white ones. I I just can't do them. Well, they all started to have a similar texture. They all do have a bit of an acid bite. Like I could see when I started thinking about those three things, I was like, yeah, sure. They're all white. But like, what about them is also similar. <laughs> well, like, that's maybe setting like, you off. I love Alfredo, you know? So, okay, good. All right. There we go. So it's yeah, not a it's white not, sauce. It's not it's the not problem. It's not a white sauce. I love I Alfredo. It. I knew it. It's the acid. Yeah. It's got to be. There we go. All right. Thank you, Jeff, for really just kind yeah. of <laughs> honing in on, on the things. So you mentioned real briefly there that uh, some some Minnesota passed, um, mm-hmm. and you know, of course, that's going to give you a bit of a different food perspective. Um, yes, I'm sure, you've eaten your share of lefsa. Oh, I love lefsa. Um, yes, that was yes. Grew, grew up in Minnesota. Um, it was interesting because my my mom's side of the family, uh, they're all from Iowa and Minnesota. They're all you know originally from Norway. Uh, you know, they came in the 1850s, but uh, very like midwestern through and through you yeah. watch the movie fargo like that the accent is the same as my entire family I love and it. i love the sound of that accent it, <laughs> yeah. i don't know why but i do it's great um but part of that too is like there's a food component to that it was very bland you know yeah. pepper is like as spicy as it gets yeah um and but my dad was from California, and so he was kind of like, "All right, we're gonna introduce a few other things to Allison's palate." Uh, so I I definitely grew up with slightly more to my palate than I think the standard uh, person from Minnesota who, or at least you know, I didn't just grow up on tater tot hot dish. Um, I grew up <laughs> on you know other other foods too. Yeah. Uh, but no, no slight yeah, to tater tot hot dish. It can be pretty tasty. No, too. no, 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 absolutely. <laughs> I, I mean, there's love a good hot dish or casserole, depending on, you know, what you want to call it. Yeah. But, um, but I will say that my grandmother loved us and didn't make us eat lutefisk. So that was good. Oh, but, uh, she, Lefsa, she did. So, uh, but Lefsa all the way, that was, and, that was a, a staple. And it was butter and sugar too, which is the way I've had it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh man, oh. my my stepmom uh, was Norwegian, and mm. she uh, interesting. It's almost like she had a similar food history to you because, or to, to you via your your father. In that, uh, when she taught me how to cook, because she taught me quite a bit in the kitchen, um, it was because she had grown up in North Dakota uh, with a fully Norwegian yep. family, sure, and yep. moved to moved to El Centro, California, and lived with an older Mexican lady and learned how to make <laughs> Mexican food. And oh, so lovely. she had this really, yes, she made the best quesadillas because it was some kind of like 
interesting marriage of lefsa and cheese and it was oh, just yeah yeah she made this really cool like baked quesadilla dish but so yeah. much of her kind of uh hunger i think for eating new food and especially when she traveled she was always real big on trying new things um mm-hmm. was from that kind of basis of of being you know like you said black pepper and salt was uh was about as good as it got so i think yeah. she had that same kind of desire to to learn more and knew that there was more out there so yeah that's very inspiring to me yeah i i'm glad that i like i said i i grew up a very picky eater uh yeah. i don't which yeah i mean like we're talking plain vanilla ice cream can't not even chocolate um so it's kind of interesting that i've where i've grown out of that for sure and now i'm way more adventurous other than you know condiments and pickles yeah and i have two kids a son and a daughter and my daughter is very much um regular laced potato chips vanilla ice cream like she wants like the standard the classic Mm -hmm. she's very big on that kind of thing Whereas yeah. my son is like, oh, there's a grilled squid version. Like, let's get that. You know? So, so <laughs> well, it's kind of interesting makes... to me. I don't know how they yeah. turned out so kind of different in that way. But yeah, they both kind of have their own little food adventure going on in, in different ways. I always appreciate that. Makes her dining out a little tricky. It does. Like, where where yeah. can we marry these two interests? <laughs> it, it certainly does. Yeah, it's it's been interesting uh, because he's always trying to pull her in in his direction and then same thing with her she's like come on <laughs> just get yeah. this just get the regular cheese pizza it's like great the white bread is fine <laughs> yeah exactly so uh something i wanted to talk about is just coffee brewing real quickly um mm. you had mentioned you know how you're involved in some of the uh, work that they're doing at starbucks with the different products and the, the brewing processes and things um but i'd like to talk more on a personal level of when you're making coffee for yourself um mm-hmm. now I understand we all have our day to day, like our quick ways of doing it, that we just kind of need that coffee and we're out the door or whatever it is. But when you're actually doing that ritual of coffee brewing, like what does that ritual look like? Yeah. So to be fair, Monday through Friday, when we go to work, like we do have an automatic all coffee of us, brewer. All of us do this, I hope, we, or I think. <laughs> yeah. When we, my husband and I were very fortunate to, we bought a house here about six months ago. Um, awesome. Which we did not think was ever wow. going to happen. So when it did, it was yeah, very Yeah, that's, that's impressive. Um, but being in the very high cost of living Seattle area, we are kind of far yeah. away from our jobs. So we got an, an auto drip one that we can like program at night. But when we have more time, um, I we do have a French press. We do have two French presses, in fact, depending yeah. on what size we want. And um, the ritual is very much so we will grind our own beans. And I prefer a blonde roast um, versus other types. But um, so, so I. I like I like the lighter roast. So we'll grind that at, like in the morning um, and then put it in the French press and then fill up the the water about halfway. And we'll let it sit for four to five minutes, fill it up the rest of the way, um, kind of stir it, break up the, um, I, there is a term for it. And I don't know what it is, but the. It's like a crusty. raft or, yeah, there is a term, the crust. I think crust I, might be the I term. Should, I think I you just nailed it. it. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you <laughs> oh, know. The crust. Um, <laughs> yeah, I kind of break up the crust and then let it sit for another five minutes. And it, it's like. And sorry, and then you plunge, obviously, there's the plunging action, Um, but it makes it like significantly less maybe acidic or bitter, I guess, Mm -hmm. depending on kind of what perceptions that you get. But it it does truly make for a softer coffee and it it brings out, um, I mean, again, depending on the, the type of coffee, but I can get more of the actual like the chocolate notes or maybe like it's got some cinnamon or, you know, kind of whatever these flavor notes are. Yeah. Like I can get the note profiles a little bit more yeah. just because it, it feels like it's just a softer coffee. I don't know. I watched this one guy on the internet and he was like, this is how you should do this. And then I did it and it was like a life-changing experience with my French press. Awesome. And yeah. I've, I've never gotten that good at using a French press. I've used it a few times, mostly like kind of when I'm out and about like camping or something like that, but not, mm-hmm. not enough at home to get into kind of a set ritual for using it properly. I do pour yeah. overs. Oh yeah. Pourers are good too. And, and that seems to do kind of what you were saying, where you were saying it really pulls out the characteristics of yeah. the actual roast and the coffee bean itself. And that was, that was what was important to me was getting something, you know, I want to buy, I want to buy some good beans from a good roaster. I get all excited yeah. about it. 
that I don't want to go home and like drop the baton and not, you know, complete the process of making a good product. I think that's very real. And especially, you know, coffee being a product that is very susceptible to climate change. And I I am very conscious about that and trying not to waste coffee and making sure that I do you know, consume the the coffee that I make and everything because, you know, hopefully it'll be around forever, but who knows. Um, yep. But I also am going to be a little bit pickier about the coffee that we brew. Like, or I'm, you know, we paid 12 to $20 a bag yeah. for, for a good coffee. There's, you know, yes, I drink plenty of Starbucks. There's also um, a lot of local roasters here that I also like to, to frequent. And it, it makes a difference. And so I, I prefer a good cup of coffee and a good French press is way to do it. I also have an arrow press. Like we've got all the presses. Oh, nice. <laughs> no, I want one of those. I'd like to get an arrow press. There, I'm, I'm intrigued again by every step in the process. You know, it's such a neat thing. And then people even have like mm-hmm. hack versions of how to use those and add on equipment. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, There's like ultimate crazy. arrow press method. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. it's a real thing but it again makes a good optimization life. I, I love yeah. it yeah and that's uh, as long as that's the guiding force like i don't care how weird you get like oh we gotta freeze it first it's like all right i mean if that's what it takes and it's gonna make me a better cup of coffee let's do this no you're not don't freeze your coffee beans no no no. i i'm, I'm not doing that i'm, I'm just okay. saying like just any, any weird everyone. step in the process I, i've heard <laughs> that that yeah i'd heard a few years back that people were kind of advising that and i think it's kind of gone away yeah don't, don't freeze your coffee beans so when you're uh, eating these jalapeno chips, mm, mm-hmm. who who makes those? Is that a, is that a Tim's Cascade jalapeno oh, chip? Since I know where I, you live, <laughs> or what part of the world you're I in? I do. I do okay. eat a lot of Tim's. Um, okay. I I could go look at the ones that are in our our counter right now. Um, there's another. Just oh, the kettle, the kettle chip yes. brand or whatever. Like oh the, yeah, yeah. Um, the Boulder brand. I used to eat a lot of that. So did I when I was living in Colorado. Absolutely. Do you see those out here? Because I'm not sure I have. I don't think Mm -hmm. I have. Yeah. I don't think so. Tim's kind of owns this area. Yeah. But there's, I don't even remember who makes it. I think it might be a kettle brand, but they make a jalapeno cheddar one that every Mm. once in a while I can, I can only find them in a gas station and they seem to only come in like, you know, the personal sizes, which is probably smart. (laughs) For $9. Um, Yeah. But I'm like, that is my, my all-time favorite chip, but I can never find them. Mm, that's a good flavor. But I, I like yeah, I, I like cheddar. spice. Yeah. And, and I also I also know that you like some Asian spicy stuff too. But like uh, you've yes. gotten a little more access to that since moving out of of Colorado. Something yeah. I've also celebrated since moving mm-hmm. here. I must be honest. Is uh, all the amazing Asian cuisine from all Correct. the amazing Asian immigrants who are here. We, I remember being like in the middle of Colorado and you'd go to like the one Asian restaurant right. and it had, you know, a little bit of Chinese food and a little bit of Thai food. And they had, you know, the most popular dishes from all these cuisines and like the food was fine, but you know, you, you had your one option. Maybe if you were lucky, there were two in town and yeah. it was kind of, you know, hit or miss. And it's been a, a really fun experience kind of being picky where you can say, Oh no, I really like, I love thought. I eat it all the time. Yeah. And I get to say like, Oh no, this is, I, this is my favorite thaw place here in this area. Yeah. Oh, I find myself down in Kent. I'm going to go to this place. And like, I have my favorites like and around and sushi's another big one where, you know, that was always a big, big to do in Colorado because there just aren't quite as many sushi restaurants and here it's, it's a lot more accessible. There's always a good kind of deal that you can find at a a good spot anywhere around you. And um, so we, I mean, even just last night we were going to make dinner and then opted out of it. And then we went to a Thai place nearby and had, you know, some of the best pad Thai that we have. And it's just the local place down the road. So. Yeah, it's it gets so easy. 
I, I remember, yeah. and and I know you'd been to Uncle as well. I remember when Uncle oh, first love, yeah. opened, Uncle and then going good. and having that experience, and I was like, "Oh, so Denver can do it right!" Like I got so I, excited. I do. I remember. I remember when it opened. I was living like two blocks away, and I was like, "I don't know ramen." Like, because my experience with ramen was the little thing you buy, the little packets. Sure. And I was like, I don't. I I'm skeptical that this is going to be good. And especially when you sit down and you're like, I'm sorry, this thing is, you know, $14 for a bowl. Like this can't be, this can't be right. And, oh, it was, it was just an amazing experience the first time. I'm like, oh, oh, this is, this is fantastic. Yeah. And I very luckily though, because, you know, everybody else learned very quickly that uncle was fantastic. And I lucked out that I waited in line. I, but I could go pick it up and then bring it home. Oh, nice. Because <laughs> you were so close. Oh, yeah. of course. So I did that quite Good a bit. Heck. Um, yeah. I, so that that was one of my like kind of first introductions to, oh, there's other types of kind of Asian cuisine around. Mm-hmm. And it's not all just like the you know prepackaged version that you can get at the grocery store. So um, ramen is also one that we we go to all the time. It's kind of like all looking the behind the curtain. It's like there's this version of things that you've been sold your whole life. And then when you have access to like the legit real version made by the people who represent that culture, it's like, oh, wow. Like, yeah, no wonder this is such a huge thing for people in your country. This is amazing. Like you mentioned Pad Thai. Like yeah. when you have a good Pad Thai, like, oh, mm-hmm. there's nothing and like it. it. I mean, I probably sound like, you know, an ignorant American too, but then like I had no idea that know oh indian food okay but no there's so many regions of india and food is different in all those different places absolutely absolutely so it's it's like oh no it's we're we're going to the northern indian restaurant nearby and these are the dishes that we get there versus you know nepalese or something like that so anyway it's, yeah, it's, I, and I look for stuff like that when they call out like a certain region, whether it's a region of Mexico or a region of India. You know, it's like they're going to call out a region of China. They're going to call out that specific yeah. region and say we make dishes from this area. Oh, I'm here for it because you know mm-hmm. you're going to see things on that menu that you won't see other places, and that's that's always exciting to me. Yeah. So, and then one day we'll go eat go eat it. You know, at it's where where it's originally from, but for now, we'll just go to yeah yeah and i love that as a goal too is i feel like that's that's the ultimate diplomacy is you know you get to know their culture you get to know their people you get to know their food and then if you're so inclined hopefully you get a chance to go there and and get to do it in in person and that could be a whole nother level of the experience i've talked to people about this before is that you know you've had it sort of detached from its essence Mm -hmm. detached from its place and then you go have it in its place and you're like whoa (laughs) this is like level three (laughs) although i'm worried that you know you go eat you go eat the best of the best and then it it's not quite as good when you get back this this was my problem with wine and cheese when i got back from france you're gonna ruin yourself yep yeah i was like i could pay i i remember making grilled cheese with what I found out when I came back to the States was $20 a pound in the United States cheese is what I used to make grilled cheese in my apartment in France because it was like two (laughs) euros. Yeah. (laughs) So I have a feeling it would, it would be similar, but that's okay. I'll, I'll, I'll experience it anyway. And that's, that's the mindset I think that people should have is like, you, you are going to pay up to do that, to recreate that experience here, but it's not going to be the same experience, but like, you really got to find the thing here. And I think for us here uh, in, in the Pacific Northwest, things like seafood and just things that are a little more readily available, if we can celebrate those and just sort of lean into that a little bit and then, mm-hmm. yeah, occasionally pay up to, uh, to pretend we're in uh, France for a minute and get yeah, a good bottle exactly. of wine or something. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I like doing it that way. So, so high end to low end, let's talk frozen waffles for dinner. Um <sighs> Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I love this experience and I really, I can't, you know, give any details better than you can kind of share this childhood experience. But I love when people talk about kind of their first time in the kitchen or first time <laughs> kind of taking over dinner. So, so let us know how that yes. went. Yeah. So um, again, as a child, I was a very picky eater. So I, and I expressed that broadly to my parents 
And one time when I was like <laughs> six or seven, uh, with zero cooking experience, I complained one too many times that I did not want to eat the healthy, delicious dinner that my parents had spent a good chunk of time making for me. Yeah. And so they said, fine, tomorrow you can make dinner. And I was like, okay, I will. But the only thing I knew how to make was Eggos because that was all I knew. How, that and cereal, like that was the extent of my cooking <laughs> prowess at the time. And so I, but I, I stuck to it. And around dinner time, I you know, pulled the Eggos out and I started putting them in the toaster. And my parents are kind of like, all right, we'll see how this goes. And I, I presented them and I, you know, put out the, the butter and the syrup and everything. And they were like, okay, well, we appreciate that you stick to the things that you will say that you're going to do. And that is a good lesson in keeping your word, but also we are not eating Eggos. So, <laughs> you know, we had, I don't remember what we ended up eating. Um, I'm sure it was like a quick put together meal, but something that was a little bit more nutritious than Eggos. Um, but even that small amount of time of, Oh no, I, I have to do this. Like I'm going to, there's effort to put in. Like I did kind of learn like, Oh, maybe I shouldn't, be so rude about somebody else cooking for me, even at the ripe old age but, of six. But that's just solid so. parenting. I mean, they they had enough insight to see that you could kind of find that lesson on your own instead of barking it at you, you know, and saying yeah. like, you don't know what it, I'm going through to make your dinner and rah, rah, rah. Yeah. They're like, okay, she's she's a pretty uh, intellectual person. She'll think about this. She'll understand. Mm -hmm. And sure enough, you know, here you are, a young child, and you're yeah. already putting together the pieces. You're like, I see what they're trying to teach me. Yeah. I mean, again, not the most gourmet meal that one can ever eat, but I will say it's yeah. not the only time I ever ate Eggos for dinner. Um, in my teens, that, that was a real thing that sometimes I was like, nope, this is just what I'm going to eat. But at least that time I wasn't serving it to other yeah, but people. Even, who even if it's just a celebration <laughs> of that moment, you know, you're yeah, like, I'm exactly. having an Eggo, I'm celebrating yeah, the moment. Yeah. <laughs> Frozen waffles. They'll, they'll do it for you. So other nights it was uh lamb and, and wild rice. I that I, was my I want that dish. so bad. I love yeah. wild rice. I mm -hmm. if I think about going to Minnesota, and it's funny because I did a collaboration beer with a brewer there, and our first conversation with him, I said, "Can we use wild rice in the beer?" And he's like, "Yeah, oh, wild yeah. rice, wild rice stays on. Absolutely, that's what it's well, going to be." It. Yeah, yeah. It wild rice is, and I will say though, because people make it differently. Where mm -hmm. a lot of people in Minnesota will like cook it down so much that the the grain really like really starts to split and it gets yes. really curly and it's really soft yeah. not my style yeah like it i like it a little bit harder yeah. um and my dad growing up he would put um he would use like a mortar and pestle and take uh parmesan and croutons and kind of crush them up and put that in there as well and kind of mm. toss it all together uh, with some spices and things like that. And, oh, it's just so good. Still is. Still make it all the time. Every time I go back to Minnesota, like my my dad will make me oh, lemon wild rice, even nice. though I can it as an adult. Like I know how to make it, but I just a little nostalgic. But, but knowing you're coming, is that the kind of thing he would go ahead and go shopping for and like oh, be absolutely. ready to make? Oh, yeah. I, I love those kind of dishes. I always appreciate that kind of stuff. People are like, oh, yeah. you know, I'm making it. You're like, you don't yeah. even have to ask. You know, it's going to be there. Yeah. Well, it's funny because my... My stepmother does not like lamb at all. And it, a lot of people in Minnesota don't like lamb. Um, I don't really know why, or at least a lot of people that I've met. But um, so she's like, yeah, you can make that. And I'll have a, this like piece of chicken. But she understands hmm. like this is this is a thing with yeah. our family. So yeah. she's, you know, but she doesn't like lamb. So and that's fine. I And I think that's another interesting thing. Not that you asked this question, but. I, I also appreciate that different people can like different things and not everybody has to eat everything at the exact same time. And that's oh, okay. Wow. That's, that's actually a theme of this show. And I've tried to be, I've tried to feed that in, in bits. Um, that is absolutely how I feel. Oh, I, good. I, Nailed it. I think, yeah. Um, just biologically, just for the diversity of humans. And, uh, you know, if we all liked the same things, like that doesn't work for production of product. Like, like if you think on wrong. that level, but if you think even on just the personal level of us being individuals and finding who we are, like, I feel like food is an opportunity for that journey to be sort of your own personal journey. And for people to say, you can't put this on that or this in that, that's disgusting, <laughs> whatever. 
I, I think you're kind of stepping on somebody else's food journey a little bit. You can you can dictate I, that yeah. for yourself. You know, mm-hmm. you can say no ranch for you, but maybe I want a little ranch on my salad, I mean, you know, whatever. And again, my husband loves pickles and I get pickles yeah, all the exactly. time. And like he then just gets extra pickles. So really it works out. So it's and, okay that not everybody likes everything the same. Yeah, and I, I really... Uh, I encourage people to have kind of a diversity of opinion on things. And I also feel like even likes and dislikes are a bit of a journey for some people. Like maybe one thing that you don't like now you, you will like later or vice versa. Maybe, you know, I have, I have friends who are big time into barbecue who are now vegan. And so, you know, of course their entire, their entire diet is now changed. So I, I look at it as it's, it's something in motion and that if we can't respect the evolution of our fellow man, then we got to take a look in the mirror and maybe decide what we're we're so critical about and why maybe we need to do yeah. some changes on ourselves. I like the food, the food journey. I, I think I like that. Cause it's, you can never, it's like never stop exploring. If somebody never offers you something like, yeah, maybe, maybe try yeah. it. I mean, I, we went to a sushi restaurant the other day and ordered something off the menu that I was like, Ooh, turns out did not care for that, but you know what? <laughs> now I know, and I will not reorder it. Yeah. And now, you know, for you, not that someone else told you you wouldn't like it or said it's kind of this way and maybe you won't or maybe you will. But now, you know, it's a personal Mm -hmm. thing. And that's I really encourage that in people to not necessarily again with my daughter. It's always like, honey, do you want to try this? And she's like, no, I don't, dad. And I'm like, oh, (laughs) but I want to help you continue your journey. But I'll back off Uh, because it's your journey. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Allison, for talking to me today. This has been super fun. And I feel like we got some new angles on things. And then, like I said, right there at the end, you kind of hit on the the theme that I've been trying to incorporate into every show. And that's awesome. I'm, again, feel like I'm aligned with you more than I was even an hour ago. So I really appreciate that. Excellent. Yeah. Well, thank you for coming on. Thank you. Awesome. And I, I really do appreciate your time. Have a great night.